I'm Nicola Dean and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. Hello, I'm delighted today uh, on Safeguarding Matters that um, I'm going to have the opportunity to speak to Anna Maria, who is our marketing intern um, at the Ancraft Trust. She's a law student at the University of Nottingham and I have cajoled Anna Maria to join me today to have a discussion about how Article 8 um, impacts on the current coronavirus regulations and the government's thinking. Um, Deborah Kitson here. It was a three o'clock in the morning thought when I suddenly thought, family life, what has happened to Article 8? Um, I need to get some more advice and guidance on this. So, Anna Maria, would you like to say who you are and how you've been persuaded to join me on this podcast. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Anna Maria. Um, like Deborah said, I'm the marketing intern at the ANCAP Trust um, this semester. And yeah, Deborah just asked if I would like to have a conversation with her about Article, Light, Article 8, um, which is the right to private and family life. And just talking about that and how, you know, the lockdowns and quarantines and government measures in place to control uh, the coronavirus uh, have kind of interfered with that. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. And thank you very much for agreeing. Uh, I was joking about cajoling her. <laughs> um, what I've heard so much since lockdown um, from a lot of the people I work with across the country is about the impact on the people they support, perhaps in residential care, perhaps within hospital settings, um, the impact of not having contact with their families and maybe families not being able to visit them in hospital um, and also the impact um, if a child has or, or an adult has um, perhaps autism or a disability of some sort to not have that uh, network of support uh, and the carers not having that support network as well. To, um, so the impact seems to have been enormous on families and individuals. should also mention people being isolated uh, with very vulnerable conditions, perhaps because they're older, and they spent actually in the initial lockdown months very isolated with no contact with their family and friends. And also, I think we've all seen on the news the impact around domestic abuse cases increasing um, and um, various other impacts that really have had quite a disregard, I think, for people's well-being and mental health. Can you tell us a bit about how how Article 8 has has, has been so disregarded, really, in the planning of, of, of this these restrictions that the government have put on us? Um, yeah, so I, I guess I'll just talk a little bit about Article 8 in general, like what it is, what the... Yes, that would be great. So Article 8 is, an, is Article 8 under the Human Rights Act, which um, protects the rights to respect for one's private and family life. So, so private life, to begin with, that means... Um, everyone has the right to live privately without government interference, right? So yeah. that that concept of private life is kind of interpreted very broadly. So it covers all sorts of things, like the government can't interfere with your lifestyle, your sexual orientation, how you dress, um, who you see, um, that kind of thing. Um, and then there's also, within the same article, the right to family life. So the fact that we all have the right to enjoy family relationships without interference from the government. So that includes the right to live with your family 
and where that's not possible, the right to regular contact. So, so wow, this has had a real impact. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, of course. So um, it's impossible to say that, um, you know, all the restrictions and lockdowns and stuff haven't um, interfered with Article 8 because they definitely have. Um, but I th- um, but but the, the government would argue or you could argue that it's, it's for the, it has been for the right reasons. Um, so and who the, makes those decisions? Um, so who makes those decisions? It's it's the, the courts. The courts makes make those decisions, um, and because the Human Rights Act is um, an act that we are party to because we were once in the EU, the mm-hmm. European courts are like above the UK courts when it comes to making you know all those decisions. So they give the instances where um, public authorities, so in this case the UK government, can mm-hmm. interfere with the rights to private and family life. So they give instances like protecting national security or protecting public safety, protecting the economy, and importantly, protecting the rights and freedoms of other people. Um, now, I, I know they take health into account, don't they, as well yeah, within... Health and morals. But uh, it does feel like mental health has been slightly disregarded here. Um, yeah, you could definitely argue that mental health hasn't been or hasn't been as much a priority as physical health has been. Um, I mean, that's definitely a little obvious when you look at the way the restrictions have been rolled out and the, you know, mm-hmm. few exceptions that they make and stuff. But, I mean, you could argue that it's, it, it's makes, it makes sense or it's, it's what the, the government had to do in order to ensure that um, the majority of the public's yeah. health is protected or is, you know, that that's what they're thinking about. Because when they're making these decisions, they have to weigh, kind of weigh the consequences of, yeah. of doing one or the other. So I, I, have they had to do this before? Has this been a, have they got a precedence that they can um, fall back on? Um, on this kind of large scale, not not really, no. So with regards to um, infringing on or interfering with the right to family life and private life, on this kind of large scale, there, there's not, since the act was enacted in 1998, there hasn't been this um, kind of large scale crisis that the government has had to step in and put measures in place to deal with effectively. There's been kind of um, personal individual cases. Right. So um, you can talk about the case of Kuimov in Russia, where the states um, the states interfered with a parent's right to family life because the child the, their child was in influenza quarantine. Um, um, and so the parents kind of brought a case about it that, you know, his right to family life is being infringed on, that kind of thing. However, the, the courts, um, they found that the restrictions on the father's access to the child um, were were allowed or they, they had the right to do that because they had the legitimate aim of protecting the child's health and rights. So I think the word legitimate yeah, um, yeah. is very important over there. So I think even though... So that was about an individual though, yeah, that as was opposed to a population. Yeah, yeah. So um, with a population or with like a community, that kind of thing, there's not much precedence for that. Right, so right. I think this has been a very... 
this has been a situation of a lot of firsts where the government has just kind of have had to act in the best interests of everyone. Yes, I suppose we'd all all differ in whether we, we actually feel it's in the best interests. Yes, and especially, yes. I think, with the t- different tiers coming in, it's become much more complex, really. And I, the proportionality is always something that interests me. Who makes the decision that this is a proportionate response to the current situation? Um, and, and is there a right of appeal? All those things flood through my mind. Um, yeah, so, I mean, to begin with, with the tiers thing, um, it, it just seems to me like this this is the tears thing has come because of the so-called like second wave of the pandemic. Um, and what the government is trying to do is just not make the restrictions as harsh or as stringent as the earlier earlier ones that were in place because they don't want to kind of restrict people again because it's mm. like um having been restricted and then eased out of that, they they're 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 really resisting putting us back into that harsh situations I think they just put the tiers in so there's a little bit of flexibility for each region you know like Nottingham is in tier three now but then they did say that it's only for 28 days so I think they're just trying to be a little bit flexible with the rules now and then in terms of the right to appeal yeah we I think that's definitely one of our rights like everyone definitely has um, the right to appeal these decisions um but I guess that's a process that takes a long time yes that's the thing so in this case when the coronavirus you know when the pandemic started the courts um you know they stopped operating in March and they only opened up again in April uh, in the middle of April for emergency cases the cases yes, that is yeah. like child abduction and actually domestic abuse so um, remember you, um, I remember you were asking if they've taken, you know, that kind of thing into account. And I think they definitely have with regards to domestic abuse, because they, they are they are still or, you know, they did decide to classify that as emergency cases that they need to respond to. So people were still allowed to file appeals with regards to domestic abuse. So I think that's, you know, a, a, a positive thing. Or a I think pl- the problem was they might have been able to file the cases was such an in domestic abuse purely because people were locked in with partners who were harming them and I, I i guess that that's at that moment you had to comply and there was no way you could appeal about the actual lockdown you could only appeal surely about the harm that was being done to you um if does that make sense yeah that makes sense but you, you could, people were also allowed to appeal for restraining orders oh right okay so I guess if you're, I mean, obviously it, it is still a process, so it might take some time, but definitely less time. You know, I think they, they were trying to act as quickly as they possibly could, given the, right. the circumstances. Because if you're granted a restraining order against someone, that obviously means that you can't live with them or anything. So I'm sure like they put measures in place to, you know, take people out of these abusive situations. But I so mean... They did take, they did take except they they took some exceptional circumstances then and allowed them to go through the emergency courts at that time yes is it emergency courts or uh, yeah they they adopted emergency measures in domestic right. yeah okay that's interesting well um uh, that's really interesting i just wondered if there were other other um art, having talked about article 8 are there other articles that have have been interfered with during this pandemic yeah um, so far yeah i mean 
you know, under the Human Rights Act, there's like 13 or 14 articles, uh, uh, you know, talking about rights that everyone um, is subject to. Um, so, you you know, we could talk about the Article 11, which is the freedom of assembly and association. So what this article does, it protects our rights to protest by holding meetings and demonstrations with other people. So obviously, because of the restrictions in place, mm-hmm. you know, this right is also being interfered with because, you know, we're not allowed to have large gatherings or meetings with other people um bring a case that this article was has been interfered with um i don't think you'd have a very strong case though right okay i i just wonder if the government has had regard for these articles of the human rights act as they've been making these decisions that's something we'll never know i guess yeah i don't think it's possible to know and i i, no. I think they were de- they've definitely been acting been running on like on on just a lot of will and like just observing what the situation is like and having to act quickly to mitigate any you know untoward circumstances like I think it would be difficult to tell if they've had these specific articles in mind like the fact yeah. that they're interfering with them having you know in mind the fact that we just need to protect everyone protect sure. everyone's health make sure that everyone everyone you know will come out of this yeah because i i feel if you're not healthy if you don't have life then you can't Mm. you can't i i I do do accept that and and in this circumstance physical health is is key but it is still terribly difficult for the people we support who um have not been able to see families for so long and who maybe have not been able to be at the bedside of their their relatives when they've been so ill um i guess we'll it'd be worth having a further conversation about this later to see really the impact and and how many appeals are put in um if if that's actually going to happen or not following this um but it's been so interesting to talk to you about it um thank you so much for your time um and uh, i'm sure i'll come back to you for another podcast very soon thank you anna maria Thank you so much, Deborah, and I'll be happy to come on any other podcast. Ah, you said it now. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about our work, check out our website, ancrafttrust.org, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook, at Ancraft Trust. <laughs>